Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Tonight, Virgin Media One will screen a documentary called To Die For Cosmetic Surgery in Turkey. It will relate stories from people whose surgery uh, went very wrong and stories from some people who didn't come home at all. One of those featured in tonight's uh, documentary is Leanne O'Donnell from Clare. Good afternoon, Leanne. Hi, how are you? My name is O'Driscoll. Sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. Yeah, I got that <laughs> completely wrong. Uh, right. So oh, you're uh, fine. You're fine. Uh, so, so why why did you go abroad for the surgery? I suppose what surgery did you want done? I wanted the gastric sleeve surgery done. Right. Okay. And that was you wanted to lose some weight. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and had you had you kind of checked out how much uh, surgery like that might cost in Ireland? When I um, checked in Ireland, I think at the time it was coming up to nearly 14,000. Oh, crikey. And, and Yeah, so it was a bit yeah. expensive for yeah. me to go and to the, have it done in Ireland. And in Turkey, how much were they offering it for? I had the operation in Turkey for 2,400. Crikey, that's some distance, uh, difference there. And was that, that, was that the, like the price they were quoting you or were you able to kind of haggle with them a bit? Would you believe I haggled with them? They were um, they were offering the operation first for three thousand, but I had said to them, "There's four of us going, so can you give us a discount on the four? Right. And they said, um, they said to me, "They'll get back to me within fifteen minutes." The lady had got back to me to say, "Yeah, we can do for two thousand four hundred each." Okay, uh, so, and so where did you first hear about this place? I've heard a, a few people had gotten the surgery done and then um, it was all over social media as well about it. So it's just obviously it just kept popping up on my page about um, gastric sleeve because mm. I was Googling it as well. And then um, I had spoken to a lady and she said she had she'd wanted to get it done, a friend of mine. So we got the number to contact for it, but it's just through WhatsApp. So really? The, yeah. WhatsApp and like we just text this lady in Turkey and she um started rolling the ball for us. Right. And and did they ask you to fill out a form or give a medical history or or any of those kind of things? Nothing. All they wanted to know was our name, our date of birth, our weight. And that was it. Yeah. That was it. And and did you have to pay the money up front or how, how did that work? When we arrived in Turkey, um, you don't pay the money until they give you the go ahead to get this operation done. Right. Because okay. they do a lot of tests over there when in the hospital and then they'll tell you tell you whether you're eligible or not to have the surgery. OK. And so w- w- when you arrived then in, in, in Turkey, um, were, you know, were you picked up by a representative from the hospital or something like that? Yes. They have private transfers. So they tell you um, where to go and how to basically get to the hospital like and right. they, they give you like a number when you um, leave arrivals they tell you um, where to there's a guy there sorry with a placard of the name of the hospital mm. and then you approach him and you just, they have a list of names and you tell him your name and he said yeah that's correct and he just literally drops you outside the door of the hospital and drives away all right, Grant. And so, it's so. Uh, and were you staying at the hospital the whole time, or did you have to stay in a hotel as well? No, we stayed at the hospital for the week. Okay. And what kind of tests did they do then when you arrived? 
they'd done, um, when we arrived that night, they done, they took our blood. So they'd done a full blood count on us. And then they'd done, um, they actually done a test on us for, say, our lungs, mm. our heart. Um, they done, they, we saw a psychologist and basically they just said, they scanned us as well, scanned our kidneys to see, was everything okay with our kidneys and stuff. So that was it. And then they tell you you're eligible for the operation and then you hand over the money before you had the operation. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, I, I, and, and all, through all of that, I imagine, Leanne, did that seem all pretty legitimate to you? Yeah. Yeah. It was perfect. Yeah. And the place itself, did it look like a hospital? Yes, it was a hospital, um, full running hospital. It was a private hospital. So um, it looked lovely, was clean. Um, Everything was going well, mm. so we thought. Yeah. And, um, now, on the day so, of the procedure, did you start to have second thoughts a little bit? Yes. And um, the three girls had their procedures on the day before me. And um, I just saw what way they were feeling that, say, that day when they came back and then through the night. So I got second thoughts of getting it done. So I said, no, I don't want it done. But they actually sedated me and brought me down anyway. Right. They sedated so, you after you said you didn't want to have it done. Yes. Yes. Mm. When you so woke, was, yeah. When, and when you woke up after the procedure, how how did you feel um, uh, initially? I was actually very sick. I was vomiting. Um, and to be honest, I was vomiting blood, a lot of blood. And um, when they called it, Nurse, the nurse said, oh, that can be normal. You can get some blood inside in me. But I was vomiting blood for nearly two days, which was quite alarming because I was like, how much blood is in my stomach like yes. that? I'm vomiting so much. Yeah. And, and how long like, How long then? Was, it, was this all, were you still in Turkey at this point? And then how long was it before you got on a plane back home then? I got my procedure done the Tuesday morning and I was on leaving the hospital at 3 a.m. Saturday morning. Right. And they were telling you all the time you were there that you were fine. There was nothing to worry about. Yeah. They were saying that's normal. That's normal. That's normal. They even give you this drink that you drink to see, have you any internal bleeding before you go home? And they told me I drank the drink. It was horrible. And um, they done the x-ray. They do an x-ray on you to see it was everything okay. And they said, yeah, everything was fine. And that um, I could leave. But what was alarming for me as well? is when the three girls came back from their procedure done the day before, they were put straight back into their PJs. When I came back from my procedure, they ch- they changed my hospital gown and put me back into another surgical gown. Mm, as if they so, kind of thought they might need to do something else. Yeah, it was one of my friends who said to me, um, why did they put you back into a surgical gown? Why didn't they put you back into your pyjamas like we got put back into? Yeah. Like that was a, that was an alarm bell and I was going, I don't know. And when we asked the nurse, said, oh, no, that's normal. That's normal. That's OK. That's OK. And it was very hard as well because we were told we'd have an interpreter. We'd no interpreter until night time. So, so how did you how did you communicate with people when you were there? This is a hospital. Yeah, we had to communicate through Google Translate. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So what was the flight home like? And when we boarded the flight, the girls were very warm, but I was actually so cold. 
I was shivering. I actually had their four. I had my own hoodie on and the three girls' hoodies wrapped around me. I was shivering coming home. I felt so cold. And they were roasting, saying, Leanne, like, we're sweating. Like, the plane is packed. It was very warm. And I just, just felt so cold. Yeah. And I, even on the way home on the bus, I was drifting in and out of sleep. And I just thought that was because I spent the whole week in hospital. And you know yourself, when you're in the hospital, you barely get sleep. Mm. So I thought until I got home and then. Yeah, when you got home and, and, and your partner first saw you, did you, know, did, did, did you get a reaction from him? When he first saw me, he just put his arms around me to say, thank God you're home and you're OK. And um, so that was I was got home on the Saturday and I felt OK. Sunday I was I felt obviously I was sore, but I was movable. And Monday I was like, oh, I was feeling a bit off, but mm. I just thought it's because I'm my stomach now is so small. All I was allowed was liquids. So I just thought it was because of the lack of food. I was just feeling very drainy like. So um, on the Tuesday morning then, um, I was decided to have a Netflix day. So I said, I'm going to have a shower, get into new PJs and just chill for the day. So my partner went down into his work shed and um, he just asked me, did I need anything? Bron? I said, no, I have everything here. I'm fine. He said, look, if you need me anyway, I'm just out the back. And I said, grand. But come 11 o'clock that morning, I said, look, I'm going in now for my shower and I'll um, be nice. I feel, I'll probably feel a lot better. So um, as I stood up to have my shower, I woke up in my bed about half an hour later. So I think it was a half an hour later. And I was like, gee, because so I just thought I just, I was very, very dizzy. And then, um, I said, I gave it a chance again. So about 12 o'clock, I stood up again, 12, half 12. And I woke up. It was 10 past one when I woke up because I rang my sister because she just finished work at one o'clock. And I rang her and I asked her, was she, where was she? So she just finished work. And I said, look, I, have a, I think I'm very dizzy. So I think I'm dehydrated. I said, would you mind coming out to the house and get, there's a box of our oil light in the press and there's a bottle of water in the fridge. So would you mind getting them for me and I'll drink the diorolite so maybe that might perk me up a bit but when she arrived to the house now my partner did, was out in the shed he hadn't a clue what was going on mm -hmm. because he, I he, this was only two hours later after he leaving like so he thought that I was just in, after having a shower and resting in bed so um, when my sister arrived upstairs with the washer and diorolite she saw me and she started screaming she ran down and got my partner. He ran upstairs and she started screaming, ring an ambulance, ring an ambulance. They said that I just looked grey in the bed, that I didn't look right at all. Yeah. So when the ambulance came, they were just saying, oh, yeah, she's an infection. Um, Like, I don't know, I never said this before, but I'm going to say it now because I'm actually, the more I think about it, the more angry I was. They never checked my temperature, nothing in my house. They um wouldn't bring me down the stairs. They were thinking of bringing a fire brigade. Um, so my partner and his brother, that lives a few doors away, thankfully, they were, he was at home and he, they carried me down to the bed. Yeah. And, or down to the, down to the ambulance. Um, down to the ambulance. 
So when they got into the ambulance, they took my blood sugars and there were 16. And they said, no way, um, like, were, are you diabetic? And I was like, I was never diabetic. So they said, you have a massive infection. So they told my partner, look, ring the hospital within two, three hours, even one to two hours, they said. Um, and then you know more by the time we get her out and updates, whatever. So they just thought I had an infection after getting the sleeve done because we'd informed them that I'd sleeve done. So when I got out to um, the hospital, I was rushed straight into resus. My blood pressure dropped 48 over 27. Um, my heart rate was going up to, was over 130. My blood sugars were still 16. So in other words, they told me um, my next of kin had to get out here now because I was dying. Oh, God. I, yeah, I was given, while I was at home on the Tuesday morning, I was dying in the bed and I never knew. I just thought that I was just dizzy from dehydration. I actually had sepsis. I didn't know I had sepsis. And funny enough, it's sepsis wearing this month, last month. I did not know I had sepsis. I just felt dizzy. I went into septic shock. And then when they they done a CT scan out in UHL in Limerick and they realised that I had a bleed to my spleen. So while they were doing the operation in Turkey, they nicked my spleen. They didn't tell me they'd done that because I'd have to pay extra for them to remove my spleen to keep me alive. But because I didn't pay the extra money to them at the time, because I didn't know this was going to happen, mm. they just sent me home off my merry way to die. And so they've re- they re- obviously they removed your spleen. Uh, in how- UHL in Limerick. Yeah. yeah. And, and so how has that affected your life now, Leanne? Now I'm on antibiotics for the rest of my life in the morning and night time. Um, I have to really watch things with bacteria. Um, like it's, I have to stay away from things, obviously, with bacteria, because if I get a bacteria infection, it could kill me. Um, I have to get injections, say the melococcal, the uh, meningitis injection. I have to get them every five years. Pneumonia I have to get every five years. I have to get the flu injection every year. I have to get. I have to make sure I'm up to the COVID, especially with COVID, because I could be end up in ICU with COVID, um, and possibly die because they don't know what way COVID is going to react to my body because I have no immunity against bacteria. Mm-hmm. So, how long? Uh, how long after that then did it take you to get back to anything approaching normal again? To feeling all right. It took me over seven months to even go back to work. Um, and at that stage, they were still weary about leaving me back to work. But I had to get back for financial reasons. I had to get back to work. And um, like people didn't recognise me in my job that I'd worked with them over 20 years. Um they were, when I went into work to just to go into my locker, just to make sure everything, obviously everything was there, but just to get every few bits that I can freshen them up because they've been there for so long. And um, so like the girls in work were looking at me going, and I said hello to one particular lady in there. And she looked at me and she was like, sorry, I don't know who you are. And I said, it's Leanne. And she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. She said, I'm sorry. Because she obviously knew that how much it affected me. I lost so much weight that I looked like a skeleton. And it like people think, oh yeah, yeah, it's great for losing weight. It's not. 
Yeah. Mentally, it's not my poor family. God loved them. I didn't realize how much it affected them because I didn't realize I was hangry. And like people use the term, I'm hangry now. But when I didn't realize it really affected my family, my kids were coming into my partner going, uh, what way she is today? Yeah. No, like I didn't know none of this until recently. And it really upset me because they didn't want to say anything to me because they knew how sick I was. But I didn't realize my mood had changed. I had changed as a person and I did not know that. And yeah. like I I said, I'd never let lose because people are saying, ah, you'll change now when you lose the weight. And I was like, no, I'm still the same person. I will never change. My attitude, my my personality will always be the same. But at home, I had head hunger, which is the worst thing you could ever have mentally. It's horrible. Your head is telling you you're so hungry. Your body's telling you you can't eat the food. And I can tell people like, I... I'm lucky to be alive now. Yeah. Like my kids, my kids could have been visiting my grave every week rather than seeing me. Yeah. Did you try contacting the the hospital in Turkey? Oh, I did. Yeah. Afterwards, um, when I got out of hospital, I texted the surgeon himself and um, I had said to him, like, what was that happening to me? And he told me that it was the blood thinners that made my spleen bleed and I was like okay there's millions of people in the world on blood thinners and their spleen is still in contact mm-hmm. with them <laughs> they have it has never bled so um but the surgeon lucky enough um reacted fast and um saved my life basically UHL had saved my life they were just an amazing team out there um Lucky enough, they saved my life. And the doctor afterwards, when I met him, um, said to me that I'm one very lucky girl to be alive. That um, this my spleen was actually caught over there. He had to really clean out my insides because they were all infected from the congealed blood that was inside. Um, the hour, the operation that could have that nearly lasted five six hours. Um, my partner was told he'd stay in the hospital in case I died on the t- on the table because they they weren't one hundred percent sure whether I was going to make it or not. Yeah. They just done the operation to see would it save my life. My word, and Leanne. thankfully it did. Yeah, and thankfully it did. Uh, Leanne, yeah. thank you so much for speaking with us today. Uh, that was Leanne O'Driscoll, thank- and uh, she's one of the people. Uh, who feature in To Die For Cosmetic Surgery in Turkey. That's on uh, Virgin Media One tonight. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. with Anna Glaze on News Talk.